What's going on there, Penitentiary Phil listeners? Rocco Blastorius, greatest bass player of the Puppet Lands here, and puppet correspondent for Ben and Daddyville Small Town Adventures, with a quick podcast introduction, reminder, slash announcement, slash super sick slap bass funk groove. All right. Hey guys, Ben and Daddyville's at the Mystic Theater this very coming Saturday at high noon. That's the Mystic Theater in Petaluma. Tickets are available at Petaluma.com. It's going to be so amazing, you guys. I'm there. Blue's there. Uh, the whole family's there. It's going to be like stories and some songs and all kinds of cool stuff. You're going to have a ball. And I uh, really hope to see you down there. All right, let me just finish up this sick groove. Oh, all right. Time to get on with the podcast. Sonoma Countyans, all you people on the internet, hello, welcome to Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. My name is Gio Benedetti, and you're listening to Benedettiville Small Town Adventures on KTCALP here in the heart of downtown Petaluma, where it is a beautiful summer day, albeit a little bit hazy from the fires. I hope you guys are all staying safe and um, not uh, in fire zones, because it is a scary thing to have to deal with. Let's move on to something a little bit lighter. Like a radio show dedicated to stories and uh, total shenanigans. Um, if you guys have been listening uh, regularly, then you'll know that in the last couple of weeks, I have been making a very strong push uh, to um, take the title, the mantle, if you will, the trophy. I don't know what it is, but whatever it was that Shel Silverstein left when he stopped writing his poems and stopped publishing books like where the sidewalk ends and a light in the attic. That's the thing that I'm trying to pick up, ladies and gentlemen. I am trying to become Shel Silverstein in that quest. You guys are joining me. And this week, I have a new poem for you. And this poem is uh, not as funny as the other ones. This one's like, you know, if you read Shel Silverstein poems, some of them kind of get you. This one's trying to get you. And maybe I just gave away way too much, and I apologize for that. If I spoiled everything, sorry. But here we go. 
this week, Gio wishes he was Shel Silverstein poem called Shiny Sneakers. Finn's got shiny sneakers. Bridget's backpack's new. Gene and Archer didn't get just one new toy, they got two. Geraldine's new tablet has the newest, coolest games. Hazel's got a smartwatch, and Alfonso's got the same. There's a corner now at recess where video gamers go, where cartoon watchers when Arturo sneaks his brother's phone. There's clubs for toys, for brands, for songs, the newest pop stars sing. There's clicks for all the new and bright and nice expensive things. I've got cousin hand-me-downs and old stuff from Goodwill. No watch, no tablet, no new clothes, no new backpack to fill. My folks say friends will find me, that what's inside is enough. But it feels like no one looks for friends. They only look for stuff. Oh, man. Well, I'm not trying to bring you down on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, but, you know, I think we can all identify with that a little bit. And we're rolling right into school. And I know that there are some um, first day of school jitters, excitements, uh, nervousnesses happening around the uh, Benedetti complex these days. And because of that, I sang a song last week called First Day of School, and guess what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to sing you the exact same song called First Day of School. I brought a guitar, and I'm going to pick it up. Yep, there we go. And I'm uh, going to play you a song called First Day of School, because one of the things that I always think about is that sometimes when we're feeling nervous or we're feeling lonely or any of those things, uh, we feel like we're the only person that feels that way. But the cool thing about being a human being is that a lot of human beings have similar thoughts and feelings. And that's kind of at the heart of this song. So, here we go. First day of school. Don't worry about it, guys. I was scared but still excited. I was worried but delighted. I was unprepared but ready. I felt weak but I looked steady. I was clean but still felt messy. Kinda anxious, kinda sweaty. I was antsy and a flutter like my knees were made of butter. Burning up with feelings while I tried to keep my cool. That's just the way I felt. Thinking about my first day of school. I felt loud, but I stayed quiet. Outside calm, but inside riot. When I heard that morning bell ring, play my nerves like squeaky bed springs. We were lined up in the hallway. I was feeling mighty small way. We marched to room and teachers just heard nervous creatures. Then the bell rang loud for recess. I was anxious, I do confess. Heart a jangling to the playground. Thump, 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 pound, 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 pound. Turning up with feelings while I tried to keep my cool. That's just the way I felt on my first day of school. I wouldn't let my scared be showing. I was nervous but unknowing that if I was such a mess then, so were all these maybe best friends. If I felt that I'd be suited, if I was only just included, then maybe the thought ignited other kids felt just like I did. So I stood there and I let down all my worries, cares, and put down. Turned to someone close and smiled and we laughed and made a while. Up with feelings while we acted like some fools, running around like bandits, just getting all the rules. I didn't worry about being nervous, I didn't worry about being cool, and that time I met my best friend. 
first day of school. Yeah, first day of school. That was me putting the guitar down. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe the thought ignited other kids felt like, you know, they might feel the way you do. You might feel like you just want somebody to come up and uh, say, hey, want to play a game? Try it out. I don't know. Could work out great. I know. I've gone so long and I haven't even introduced any of our sponsors for this week. And our sponsors never like that, ladies and gentlemen. So, before we get back into a beautiful, epic, and wonderful story... Let's hear a word from our sponsors, shall we? Hi, I'm Captain Stain Remover of the Ash Legion, Sonoma County Chapter. I wasn't meant to fire any like a spider. I'm not an alien from the planet. I'm not a goddess princess from the sea. I'm a guy, well, except maybe for my extraordinary stain removing powers. My mom discovered my superpowers when I was just a kid. I was maybe six or seven, and my folks had invited some of their friends over for a nice dinner. My brother and I were playing kid games, you know, sneaking out to spot the grown-up, that kind of thing, trying to crawl under the table. You know, it was real fun. Anyway, my brother's shoe got caught on the tablecloth as he was making a quick dash for the hallway. He ended up pulling the tablecloth off right with him, and everything that was on the table, the mess was pretty amazing, and the stains were incredible. We, of course, got sent to our room to write the bed. So the next morning, we came out for breakfast, and there were still giant splashes of gravy and sauce and soup and wine all over the carpet. It looked like a crazy fingerprint. I was so curious that I walked up to it and I put my finger on the stain patch. Starting at my finger and moving out in a wave, the stain started to disappear. I jumped back, really surprised, with my mom, who was putting breakfast on the table. She saw She said to me, Thomas, you put your finger back on that stain right now. So I did. And they all just disappeared. All the stains, just like that. Now, the power doesn't work on paintings or designs or patterns or cloth. Nothing like that that's on purpose. But if it's a stain, when I touch it, it disappears. Doesn't matter what it's on. Doesn't matter what the stain is. Totally gone. What I'm trying to say is, if you have any stains that you can't get out, call I'll make time to put on my costume. I'll come over. I'll get out that stain. For I am. And you know, my, my power is not enough to get me into the Avengers or the Justice League. But hey, whatever it is, it's some kind of superpower, right? So here I am. I'm down at the Ash Legion, Sonoma County chapter. That's the average superhero legion of Sonoma County, and I'm standing by along with a bunch of other great average superheroes. I'm Captain Stain Remover, and I'll remove your stains. Call now. Right on, Captain Stain Remover. Um, hey, if you guys have need for Captain Stain Remover, I can put you in touch with them. All you got to do is call into the studio. That's 707-981-7577. Uh, I'm the only person in Sonoma County. Well, Jenny and I are. But Jenny and the kids aren't here right now. They're up at a birthday party. Woo! Yep, so they're, they're partying, but I'm partying here in the studio. You guys should see this place. So many birthday cakes, so much ice cream. Jared's going to be so mad when he comes and sees the ice cream just like all over the floor. But hey, I'm a grown-up. I can buy 17 gallons of ice cream. They're not going to wonder why. I'm just going to say it's for a party. I'm not going to tell them that it's for a party inside a radio studio where I'm just going to spread it all over the floor. Nobody asks those things. And uh, if I sneak out of here nice and quiet-like, 
Poor Ben's going to have to deal with all the ice cream on the floor with the Vandermix. That's the show that comes up next. And I'll just be able to leave. And he's just going to have to deal with a bunch of melted ice cream. And, uh, yep, those are the kind of things that you do to each other when you're just prankster DJs in a radio studio. But seriously, folks, um, do you remember last week we started a story? Well, we did. Last week we started the story of Chevrolet Glitterwing. She's a half fairy, and she investigates all the mysterious and magical happenings that are happening in the town of Grimsford, which is their not-too-small town. A kid named Magnus hired her to check out the sounds and the weird things that were coming from his closet at night. Well, they found a magic door that led to fairyland, and they put some alarms and some curses on it just in case anything tried to, like, get through. Um, but they also found that there was a closet glump, a very, very cute and snuggly furry little closet glump, and they made friends. So Magnus and the closet glump, the closet glump is named Sneaker, they made friends, and they protected and alarmed the door to Fairyland. And that's where we left off with the story. And coming in to this next installment, it's the next morning after their amazing adventures, finding the door, finding Sneaker, and we pick up the story in Magnus's room at the Brinley Estate. <clears throat> we begin thusly. Magnus woke up for school as usual. Sneaker crawled back through the door to spend his day in Fairyland. Sneaker had just disappeared when Magnus's mother came bustling into his room. She had a cup of coffee in one hand and her phone in the other, and she was talking loudly into it as she kicked toys out of the way, waving her impatient way to Magnus's bed. I don't care what the Land Protection League says, Dave, she was saying very forcefully into the phone. We have permits to clear 100 acres for that new shopping center, and good, good. Good morning, dear. She paused to peck a kiss on top of Magnus's head. And we're going to build. She stopped talking as she chose and pulled and selected a clean, ironed outfit for Magnus from the closet. She tossed it to him on the bed. Hold on, Dave. She turned to Magnus. Have a great day at school, Maggie. Magnus hated that nickname. I have to run. Don't be late for school. And still talking on her phone with her coffee in the other hand, she was gone. I'm never late for school, Magnus called after her. He sighed, and he pulled the covers back. He got dressed, headed downstairs to the breakfast table. Jervis, the family cook, had set his place. A bowl of oatmeal, no sugar. His mother didn't believe in sugar or sweeteners. A glass of milk and a slice of orange. The same as every morning. Magnus ate, cleared his dishes to the cook's counter. He was never allowed into the actual kitchen and got on his bike. Normally, Magnus would go through his dull, everyday morning routine in a gray fog of drudgery and boredom. But not this morning. This morning, Magnus's brain was still filled with the sparkle and the shine of the magic from the day before. He was seeing a magic potion instead of his normal milk. Was that the door to the kitchen or another magical gateway to a faraway land? He got on his bike and rode down the hill to Grimsford Elementary School soaking in the dark mysteriousness of the oak trees, the soft yellow morning light through the clouds, and humming to himself all the way. He saw Chevrolet as he was locking up his bike in the yard of the playground. She stepped out of Gus's big old rusty flatbed truck. He always knew when Chevrolet was getting dropped off by the sound of that old noisy truck. He waved to her. She waved back and walked over just as the bell rang to line up for class. How's Snaker? she asked, whispering from behind him in the line as the class was forming up. Great, Magnus whispered back. He went home this morning. I can't wait to go home and visit him. Do you want to come? Chevrolet didn't get a chance to answer as they both got shushed 
by their teacher, Mrs. Skolbert. The school day was passing slowly, painfully slowly. Every time Magnus looked up at the clock, it seemed like it hadn't moved. He made it through the math lesson, reading time, the history lesson, recess, and he was sitting in the early, warm afternoon at his desk, daydreaming about Fairyland when Miss Skolbert squawked on about a science lesson. And then it happened. It sounded like ten bells were being crashed and slammed together, ringing a frantic alarm right between his ears. He was so startled he cried out and toppled over backwards in his seat. What are you up to back there, Mr. Brindley? Miss Skulberts bellowed out over the snickering and the distracted class. Magnus picked himself up. I'm sorry, he said, setting his chair back up on its legs. Just, oh, that alarm was really loud. It surprised me. Miss Skulberts came walking down the aisle of desks to stand over him. Alarm? What alarm did you hear, Mr. Brindley? What loud alarm knocked you from your chair during my lesson that no one else seems to have heard, hmm? Myself included? Hmm? Magnus could feel his face going red. He could hear the class sniggering around him. Uh, poor Magnus, maybe I could walk into the office, Miss Skolberts. He might be sick, Chevrolet Glitterwing said from her desk. She looked at Magnus and shot him a very serious, knowing look. Magnus finally understood. It was the alarm, the alarm that she had cast yesterday. No one else had heard it, but she had the alarm from Fairyland. That meant that something was going in or out of his secret closet door while he was here at school. They had to get back to his room as fast as they could. He shot a quick wink to Chevrolet. She winked back. He turned to Miss Skolberts. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Miss Skolberts. I, uh, I don't feel very well at all. I should probably go home. Huffed the very large, looming form of Miss Skolberts over the desk. Very well, Miss Glitterwing. Please escort our sickly Mr. Brindley to the office. The two of them gathered up their things and quietly walked out of the classroom. They closed the door behind them, and they heard Miss Skolberts start her lesson again. The alarm! Magnus, the alarm went off! Something found the door! Chevrolet said excitedly, her hands on Magnus's shoulders, looking him right in the face. That was a really loud alarm, Magnus said, rubbing his aching head. Oh, yeah, sorry. I might have overdone it a little bit. I'm not so good at protection magic yet, Chevrolet said. And she led Magnus out of the school halls to the bike racks. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to go to the office? Magnus asked, worried. Chevrolet looked at him, a surprised look on her face. The office? We have an unidentified intruder going through a powerful magical gate in your closet, and you think we have time to waste in an office? Magnus. We are headed to your house, and we're going to go faster than we've ever gone before. But we'll get in trouble. I hate getting in trouble, Magnus said as they reached his bike. Chevrolet was sprinkling some of her sparkling glitter stuff over his bike and humming some of her floaty words. Don't worry, grown-ups are great at forgetting things, especially if they have a teensy bit of help from fairy magic. Now, the bike's ready. Let's go. Magnus looked. Small steps had grown out of the center of his back tire. Chevrolet hopped onto these as Magnus got into the seat. As he pushed the first pedal down, his bike took off like a rocket. He could barely stare down the streets, around poles and people walking their dogs and around cars. The wind whipped in his face as they sped up the hill toward the Brindley estate. Every push of his legs on the pedal, sending the bike shooting forward like it had a jet engine attached. Woohoo! shouted Chevrolet, holding onto Magnus's shoulders, standing on her magical little bike steps. In no time at all, they were back at his house. Magnus flung the bike down and they tore through the house to his room. Chevrolet grabbed his hand outside the bedroom door before he could open it. Wait, 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 wait. We need some sort of plan. We don't know what tripped the alarm. Or if it's in your room or fairyland or right on the other side of the door, she whispered. Whoa, 
You're right, Magnus said. His excitement about the intruder and the bike ride hadn't really left any room for nervousness or worry, but now that he thought about it, there was plenty for him to be worried and nervous about. And I don't have all my supplies, she said. Only my small emergency bundle that I keep in my school bag. What do we do? asked Magnus, slowly inching back from the door. Hmm, I could work up a pretty good potion of hiding, but I'd need... She rooted around in her backpack for a minute. I'd need a piece of a mask and a pinch of ground pepper. I've got everything else. Uh, there's a mask in my costume box in the room, Magnus offered, but the only pepper we have is in the kitchen. Well, great, let's go get it, Jibbler said. Whoa, not so fast, Magnus hissed, grabbing her arm and stopping her from heading back down the hall. I'm not allowed in the kitchen, not for any reason ever at all forever. And that's exactly what Jervis the cook told me when he told me. And you should have seen his face when he said it. Chevrolet looked at him with a twinkle in her eyes. Well, he never told me that I couldn't go in. Just lead me to the kitchen and then you can close your eyes and walk away. We could really use that potion, though. Magnus was not very experienced in breaking rules, particularly rules made by very tall, hook-nosed, scary-looking cooks. But this was not your usual Magnus. Oh, no. This was a Magnus that went through magic doors to fairyland. A Magnus who made friends with magical creatures from another world. This was a Magnus who left school to handle a mystical alarm emergency. Magnus who rode magic rocket bikes. With a glint in his eyes, he quickly led Chevrolet down the stairs to the great iron-studded wooden door that led to the forbidden kitchen. Jervis is working today, but I don't know where he is, Magnus explained. He usually hangs out in the kitchen, so be careful. I'll keep a lookout here. If you hear me talking loudly, you'll know I saw him. Right, Chevrolet said. She put her ear to the giant door. I don't hear anything in there. I'm going in. Good luck, squeaked Magnus. Chevrolet pushed the giant heavy door open very, very slowly. She didn't hear anything. She pushed it open enough to squeeze through, slipped into the kitchen, and the door swung shut silently behind her. She looked around and became very, very worried. All right, we're going to take a pause there because, you know, we've got our sponsors, but holy cow, Chevrolet Glitterwing. Magnus, what are you guys getting into, man? I hope they're careful. I hope they're paying attention. All right. Let's hear what this little uh, next little thing is. I think on to the next thing. We haven't said on to the next thing in a long time. So you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Let's go on to the next thing. Darlene, I gotta tell you, this grown-up job that we both work at, it is really exhausting. As a grown-up, working at a place with a job, I couldn't agree with you more, Edmund. Here we are, finally on a break from our grown-up job, and we're just sitting here in a little room with a table and some chairs. A coffee machine and a microwave. And those old magazines that I've already read a hundred times. Sigh. Big sigh. Did we hit a big, deep sigh from you two? Never fear. We're here to save your grown-up day! Who are you two? You, you're just kids. Yeah, and you looked just like me when I was a kid. Hey, that other one looked just like me when I was a kid. That's because we are you when you were kids. I'm you, Darlene. I'm you, Edwin. 
sure. I'd recognize Kidney anywhere. Me too. But how did you get here? Into our grown-up job break room? Also, how did you get into the future where you're talking to me, which I guess is actually you, but as a grown-up? But from a different universe, but from a different dimension. Some old kids have time-traveling superpowers. Yeah, our job is to travel to the multiverse, saving our grown-up selves from getting grumpy. Grumpy? Grumpiness is terrible. It can lead to grumpiness. And terrible grumpiness. The grump, the frumps are grown up leading cause of size. It's true. Are we, are we getting frumpy? You sure are. Sitting around a small break room and sighing is a major sign of grumpiness. Severe grumpiness. What can we do? You can go. You can go outside and run around. You can take a walk and sniff the flowers. You can find shapes in the clouds. Or throw walks at a fence post. Draw a picture. Play kite. Write someone a letter. Swing on a swing. And and those things will help us from getting frumpy. This year, this year will. It sounds like fun. Hey, I remember. Yeah, I used to have a lot of fun. Yes, yes, you did. And I'm having tons of fun all the time. That's why my job is to tear through time and space and remind all my grown-up selves how to have fun. Go on and have some fun, Wedding. You only have ten more minutes of break time. Thanks, Kid Me. Yeah, thanks, Kid Me. You're welcome. And remember, you may be very old and have hair growing out of your ears, but doesn't. But it doesn't mean you have to get frumpy. No frumpiness is loud. Right. Frumpiness is loud. Grown up me is getting bored on a nice spring day. Too long, me. Now it's off to another dimension. So long, me. So well, want to go for a walk? Yeah, it rained this week. Let's look under rocks for cool bugs. Sounds like fun. Oh, man. Oh, this is Rocco Blastorius and... I'll tell you guys what, I get really choked up when I hear about that frumpiness stuff. Oh, this is beautiful. And it might be that, like, little plucky music that you heard, too, because, like, that really tugs on the old heartstrings. All right, pull yourself together, Rocco. All right, hey, well, what's up, Petaluma? This is Rocco Blastorius, greatest bass player of the Puppet Lands. And, uh, you know, puppets don't really have to worry about frumpiness. You know, it's all something that really happens to us. But uh, good luck with that out there, all you uh, grown-ups. And thank you, uh, interdimensional kid travelers, for sending that valuable public service announcement. Speaking of public service announcements, all segue in your face, you guys. Uh, speaking of it, you know, um, I don't know what you're doing on Saturday, but for your information, at high noon, Benedettiville, including yours, truly Rocco Blastorius, 
We'll be down at the Mystic Theater, yonder Mystic Theater, entertaining the lovely people of Sonoma County with songs and stories and all kinds of other tomfoolery, whatever we can get away with. You know what I mean? It's going to be great. You know, uh, I'm just going to give a spoiler alert just in case any Rocco fanatics are thinking about coming out. There will be no Rocco-based solos at this show. And uh, I know, we've been getting a lot of mail about that, and I just want to let you know it's not happening. So, um, I'm sorry, maybe next time, bro. Okay. Um, Jill's giving me the eye like I'm not supposed to be talking so much, so I'm going to turn it back to him. But, hey, you know, check out uh, check out Benedettiville Live if you want to. It's happening on Saturday, noon at the Mystic. And uh, Benedettiville.com and their little Facebook page. It's all got uh, a cool video where um, I met an amazing superhero that uh, blasted my hair, and um, it was incredible. You can see that video at benedettiesville.com uh, or at the Facebook page. Okay, Rock Up Last Story is out. Thanks for listening to my little uh, public service announcement, folks. So long. Whoa. Rocco. That guy is... Such a fun dude to be around, and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard his bass playing, but he's pretty savage. I know you have, because we've had a lot of his bass playing on the show. Um, it's supposed to be time for the next installment of Chevrolet Glitterwing, but uh, I haven't heard any story music, so I guess we'll just sit here. Uh, looking at the walls, looking at the... Oh, there it is. Okay. Phew. I was worried I wasn't going to have any story music. <clears throat> Chevrolet had just gone into the kitchen, if you recall, and she looked around and became very worried. If any everyday person from Grimsford had snuck into Jervis's kitchen in the Brinley estate, they would have seen a very old-fashioned, rustic, fancily decorated and carved, but absolutely normal kitchen. A wood-burning oven, large stone countertops, assorted pots, pans, tools, devices, and ingredients, all of which looked like things a fancy cook would use for fancy cooking. The decorations that were carved into the walls and the counters and the floors looked very elaborate, fancy, and artistic, but your average, everyday Grimsfordian wouldn't have thought twice about it. But for Chevrolet Glitterwing, half-fairy, student of the magical arts, she could tell that she was in the middle of a very powerful, very well-stocked, and very scary laboratory of dark magic. The symbols carved into the floor were all for spells and rituals that she had learned about in her class, dark magic and how to avoid it at all costs. The designs on the counters and the walls were all designs that she recognized from her readings in Dangerous Wizards, Witches, and Spellslingers, A Dark Magic History of Fairyland. She could feel the mean, sneaky, rotten magic that had been woven into every part of that kitchen. She knew that if she stayed in it too long or touched the wrong thing, she could be setting off any number of nasty, magical traps. She swallowed. She breathed deep and closed her eyes just as her fairy teachers had taught her. She thought quickly. She needed that potion, and she needed to get back to Magnus and get out of this kitchen. She opened her eyes. What looked like a normal spice rack on the counter nearest her was full of rare and bizarre magical ingredients, but she saw the pepper. She tiptoed over, grabbed the pepper grinder with her fingertips, tucked it into her belt, and quickly made her way back out of the kitchen, only remembering to take another breath when the door was closed behind her. Magnus looked at her. 
What happened in there? You look worried. Let's get upstairs, get the mask, make the potion. I still need to think about what I saw in there, Chevrolet said. They went back to the room. They listened. They snuck in, and they grabbed a mask from the costume box. Chevrolet started to work on the potion, quickly mixing various ingredients from her backpack together in a small bowl of pepper and a piece of mask included. Magnus kept his eyes fixed on the closet. Okay, it's ready, said Chevrolet, after what felt like forever to Magnus. She held out the small bowl to Magnus first. Just take half, I'll finish the rest. It smelled terrible. This smells terrible, Magnus said as he held it to his mouth. Just drink it, we don't have any more time to lose, Chevrolet said a bit impatiently. Magnus held his nose with one hand and drank half the potion. It was spicier and smokier and grosser than anything he could remember having to drink. He coughed and spluttered and handed the bowl back to Chevrolet. She looked at him. Ha! Good to see it's working. And she drank the remainder of the potion. Magnus was wondering what she had meant when she said it's working when he saw Chevrolet start to change colors. And then, just like a chameleon, she became the exact color of the wall that she was standing in front of. She was very, very hard to see. Whoa, am I as hard to see as you are? He asked in amazement. Sure are. Now, come on. We're going to go sneak through that door and check things out. This potion won't last longer than five or ten minutes. They held hands and slowly walked across the toy-strewn room towards the closet. They were just about to open the door when they heard a tremendous racket from inside the closet. Racks of clothes were being banged aside. There was stomping and loud groaning. Chevrolet and Magnus darted back behind the big bed and peered over the top towards the closet door. A moment later, it was hurled open, and there, on the inside of the closet, stood Jervis, the house cook. He was very tall, had a long hooked nose, a mouth, excuse me, a mouth that looked like it loved to frown, and a sharp black beard on the tip of his chin, and a furrowed, wrinkly forehead. He was also holding his belly and groaning loudly. So thirsty, he wailed. His eyes searched the room wildly, finally spotting the glass of water that Magnus always kept beside the bed. Luckily, on the other side from where Chevrolet and Magnus were currently hiding, he ran to the bedside table, grabbed for the glass, and poured it into his mouth, splashing water all over his chef's apron and his face. Then he bent forward, clutching his belly. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Bathroom! He yelled as he ran out of the bedroom, banging his way down the hallway. Magnus was in shock. Chevrolet was gigging, <laughs> giggling uncontrollably. Did you see that? Oh, wow, we got that guy. The curses worked out just perfectly. Thirst, diarrhea, oh, man. She turned and looked at Magnus, seeing the worry on his face. Magnus, are you okay? That, that was Jervis, Magnus said. The cook. Oh. Chevrolet whistled. That's, that's bad news. Of course that's bad news, Magnus said. He lives here. He makes breakfast every morning. And he's super creepy. And he has a dark magic laboratory in the kitchen, Chevrolet added. Oh, what? Magnus squeaked. Yeah, that's what I didn't tell you when we came up here, Chevrolet went on. But I think it's making a bit more sense now. I have a lot of research to do. Magnus? Yeah? He said. Your case of the mysterious closet is reopened. And we'll pause there for our sponsors to identify themselves one more time. Excuse me from this lovely meal, Pam. 
<laughs> Here's an encyclopedia. Don't wait for me, gang. A tragedy waiting just person boy am i glad to hear your voice from a discreet distance away thanks for giving me my privacy let me get you some toilet paper and i'll be on my way wow rolls of toilet paper have just magically appeared that was amazing thanks toilet paper emergency person you're welcome remember avoid toilet paper emergencies and always take a peek before you take a seat i think your catchphrase needs a little work I hear a call from afar. Someone else is having a toilet paper emergency. Thanks, toilet paper emergency person. Hey, you're back. What took you so long? Oh, nothing. I was just mesmerized by all that great, fresh toilet paper we have up there. Now, please pass me some of that delicious salad. Did you wash your hands? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you haven't uh, been saved by toilet paper emergency person, then I'm sorry for you. There's nothing worse than being caught without enough toilet paper. Oh, man. Toilet paper emergency person, not yet officially a member of the Ash Legion of Sonoma County, but we're trying to put them together because we think that it's a match made in heaven, right? Toilet paper emergency person. Ash Legion of Sonoma County, average superheroes coming in and saving the day when it's practical, not when uh, alien invaders are trying to subjugate the human race and explode cities. That doesn't happen as often as running out of toilet paper. So, you know, let's prioritize. Let's prioritize our appreciation of superheroes, ladies and gentlemen, and let's hear it for the average superhero legion, um, even though they weren't the ones that just uh, were our sponsors. You know what? It's nice to talk about all the things one can do, but there's some things that you can't do. And uh, here's a song written by Roger Miller and reinterpreted by Benedettiville that's just about those things, about the things that you can't do. How does it go again?
Oh, man. So, uh, Roger Miller is uh, a wonderful songwriter, and uh, that's uh, one of his songs. He started it. I know it sounds like a kid's song, but that was like an actual serious song written by a very talented and serious songwriter with a really great sense of humor. And just to reiterate, enter it so you guys remember out there, here's the things that you can't do. You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd, you know? That, you can't do it. Also, uh, you can't drive around with a tiger in your car, okay? And those are Roger Miller's suggestions. And then, you know, kind of going from that theme, Benedettiville concluded that you also can't hug a bear with honey on your face. You can't shake hands with a huma huma fish. You can't have a skunk for a pillow in your bed, nor can you go to school with a hungry wolverine. So uh, if you ever need a list of things that you can't do, uh, let us know. That's kind of the end of the list. Everything else you can kind of do with, you know, varying consequences. Uh, now, one of the, th- you know, Rocco was just in here and he's been bugging me uh, every time I, I go to play one of the bits. He keeps bugging me he's like, hey, when are you going to play? Uh, but he does it in his voice. I can't do his voice, but he does it in his voice. And he says, when are you going to play like me when I play my bass? And I'm like, oh, Rocco, I don't know, man. When are we going to do it? But I think we're going to be able to do it like right about now. So let's see if we can find Rocco's, Rocco's early jam work here. Let's see what we got here. No, that's the one they did with Paige. Uh, where are we here, Rocco? Are you there? Rocco, Rocco. What's up out there? Whoa. Can you feel that groove, Petaluma? <laughs> What's up? My name's Rocco Blastorius. Uh, I am the greatest bass player ever to come out of any of the puppet lands, and uh, I think everybody would agree with you about that. Yeah, well, I'm playing right now. What was that? Oh yeah, we just dropped the beat in there. A lot of people ask me, uh, what is the bass, Rocco? Or, uh, Blasto, depending on whether people are calling me by my super cool nickname or not. (laughs) But they don't know what it is. My mission as the greatest bass-playing puppet of all time is to bring the music of the bass to everybody. With sick grooves and ultimately funky bass lines, we will rock and thrash and slap and pop our way through a complete knowledge of all things crazy. Yeah, so like, tune in all the time, because I'm just going to do that every week, bro. Whoa. So long. Rocco Blastorius, it's been a pleasure rocking with you. We love Rocco Blastorius. Rocco, thanks for sharing your jams and for educating the world on the majesty of the electric bass. Now, now, because I am very, very much in touch with the uh, consequences for not continuing stories in a timely fashion, I don't want to let this story just go uncontinued here. So we left where Jervis had just come out of the magic, uh, the magic closet door from Fairyland. He had gotten all the curses on him. There is a dark magic laboratory in the kitchen of the Brinley Estate where Jervis works. Things are getting strange indeedy. Let's see if we can pick up our story here. 
Chevrolet had a very sticky bunch of questions tumbling around in her head. Who was Jervis? How did he know about the door? Where did the door come from? Why was he using it? What was the Black Magic Laboratory for? How dangerous was Jervis? How dangerous was the door? How dangerous was the house? Was this the most exciting case she had ever had? The only answer that she knew to one of those questions was yes. This was indeed the most exciting case she had ever had. For the rest of the questions, she was very keen to get back to her shop at the junkyard and go through her library of magical books and do some research. Magnus also had a very sticky bunch of questions tumbling around in his head. Mainly, what in the world was going on? Also, how could he get out of the house and avoid Jervis for the rest of his life? Chevrolet started packing things into her backpack. I have got to get back to the junkyard. That's where all my books are. Maybe there's a clue there that will help us understand what's going on around here. I'm coming to, Magnus said. He did not want to be left alone in the house with Jervis. Well, all right, let's get going. If we hurry, we'll be gone before our hiding potion wears off, Chevrolet said, and she opened the door to the hall. They hurried as quietly as they could down the twisting hallways, down the stairs. They had to pass by the kitchen in order to get to the front door. They were scurrying by when they noticed that the thick wooden door, which according to Magnus was always closed, had been left wide open. They could hear voices from inside. They skidded to a stop, eyes wide, and they looked at each other and crept to the door. From what they could tell by looking at each other, the hiding potion was still very much working. A screechy, crackly voice carried over the sound of rushing water. What in the seven spheres is wrong with you, valets? Get your face out from under that water faucet and talk to me. Magnus poked Chevrolet in the arm. He whispered to her, That's Egret, my nanny. They heard the water shut off. I'm so thirsty and sick of... I'm sick I've been cursed, Eelwick. The door was cursed. Oh, 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 I need... I need a bathroom. Chevrolet and Magnus could hear footsteps running, presumably to a bathroom inside the kitchen area. What? A curse? On the door? Impossible. Its magic is too strong. No one could curse that door. Was it Eelwick? Was it Eagle? Whatever her name actually was, her voice was more distant now. She must have followed Jervis or Valix. The names were getting confusing for the kids listening. Must have followed Jervis to the door of the bathroom. This is serious, Valix. Very serious. The muffled voice of Jervis, a.k.a. Valix, a.k.a. Jervis, a.k.a. actually Valix, came from far away, muffled by a closed bathroom door and some embarrassing bathroom sounds. The children could not understand what he was saying. Mm, it must have been on the other side. Well, we'll have to check it out. Went on the voice of Egret, responding to whatever Jervis had said. Now, Valak, this is terrible. We're so close. Just three more days. Wait till Muggy gets back. He'll put an end to whoever is meddling. The children heard a flush and a door slam. I, I think the curses are fading. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better and not so thirsty. Jervis's voice again. Yes, yes, okay. We'll, we'll send Mug. But first, we have to figure out who's discovered us. If the royal family's here, of this will be ruined again. Chevrolet was riveted by the voices from inside. It was so mysterious, so serious. What had she and Magnus stumbled into with their discovery of the door, and why was Magnus poking her and pulling at her sleeve just now? 
Hmm. Magnus hissed in her ear. I can see you. The potion is done. Let's go. Chevrolet snapped back to herself. Magnus was right. She could see him very well also. Only his hair was still the color of the wooden door behind him. Quickly, the two of them snuck away, leaving the voices in the kitchen behind. They quietly slipped out the front door, jumped back on Magnus's bike, and Chevrolet, clinging to his shoulders, pedaled for all that they were worth towards Gus's junkyard. Did you understand any of that? asked Magnus after they had gotten what he felt like was a safe distance from the ever more mysterious house. Not at all, but I have some ideas. I don't want to say anything until I consult the books, though. Chevrolet replied over the noise of the wind and the traffic as they pedaled along. Um, who are Valix and Eowick, and who is the royal family? What is, what is going on? Magnus asked. I'm not sure about any of it, Chevrolet replied, but we'll find out. Just get me back to my library, and we'll get to the bottom of this. A few minutes later, Magnus was parking his bike in front of Chevrolet's small shop in the back corner of Gus's junkyard. She left the shutters on her shop window down and left the large, hand-painted sign that read, Closed! Please call again! Hanging on the shutters. Usually the shop was open after school, but not today. She explained, I, We cannot be disturbed right now. I can't. I can't afford the time. She unlocked her shop door with a very curious key. Magnus thought it looked more like a very twisty, pointy stick or a root. She opened the door and they stepped in. Magnus was trying to keep his ideas of the world, of life, of everything sorted out in his head, but he was having a very tricky time of it over these past two days. Magic doors, glumps, curses, spells, Jervis and Egret, and now, walking into Chevrolet's shop, his head went spinning again. Jars lined one long wall to his left, filled with mystery after mystery. The other long wall to his right held a huge and beautiful library. The books looked like they belonged in a museum or... Maybe a castle from some of his comic books? They were covered in leather or wood, or some of them looked like they even had scales. All of them looked very important, very old, and very full of mysterious things. The lights were small, hovering balls of light that floated gently around Chevrolet as she walked around the room. There were plants and hanging baskets that he knew couldn't even be from this world. Devices, gadgets, half-repaired toys, half-finished projects, all sorts of odds and ends of magic, and junkyard flotsam and jetsam were strewn about the cluttered tables. Chevrolet was going over the books, running her fingers across the spines, talking quietly to herself. Alex and Eowick and Hamadi had three more days. Dark Magic Laboratory, let's see here. Mm, no, no. Ah, ah, yes! The Fairyland History of Dark Magic Users and Their Terrible Mischief by Fodron Glumpuddle. That'll be a good place to start. Magnus wasn't sure how long they stayed in Chevrolet's little shop. Every once in a while, she would get up and make a cup of tea, or they would share some of the bag lunches that they still had from their school backpacks. Chevrolet would read in the books, in a writing, in a language that made Magnus's eyes feel very squiggly, and then she would tell Magnus what to write down in the notebook. They were both exhausted, bleary-eyed, hungry, and Magnus had a cramp in his writing hand. They had covered ten pages in notes and were just replacing the last of the books in Chevrolet's library when they heard a gentle knock at the door, and the kind but rough voice of Gus came from the door. Chevrolet! It's dinner time! When the children poked their heads out of the shed, it was dark. Gus was there smiling. Ah, he said when he saw Magnus. I see you have customer today. Please, come eat. It's so small and skinny. You need food. Come, uh, the pasta is almost ready. 
Magnus's nose caught the scent of delicious food, wafting from the small window of what looked like another tumbled, stray pile of junkyard. Gus led them on a well-groomed pathway, the paving stones made from old hubcaps, to a door built solidly into a beautifully arranged wall of license plates. Come, my skinny little boy, come and eat some of Gus's famous best-based pasta. He opened a refrigerator door, which had a scuba mask window cut into its center, and the delicious smell of home-cooked food almost picked Magnus up off of his feet. Chevrolet whispered in his ear, He really does make the best pasta, you know. As she whisked by him, washed her hands at the sink, and plopped into a chair at the table. The house was two rooms. One room was the living room, library, workshop, kitchen, dining room, all combined, where Magnus currently stood, drooling as he watched Gus heap great piles of spaghetti onto three plates. And, through a door to his right, he could see a bedroom with two beds. Everything in the house was a beautiful, ingenious use of junk. Pipes and pieces of metal and cars and wood were all patched together and joined in amazing ways to create the most delightful house Magnus had ever seen. It was warm, it smelled amazing, and it felt very relaxing. Gus pulled the chair up to the table. Sit, skinny boy, sit and eat! He laid a steaming plate of spaghetti smothered in sauce and Parmesan cheese at the table. Magnus sat. He picked up his fork and was about to dig in when Chevrolet kicked him under the table. What? he said, drooling, the fork full of delicious food inches from his mouth. Wait for the blessing, silly, Chevrolet said. Gus sat down. His own plate piled twice as high as the kids' plates. He let out a happy sigh and reached his large, thick hand out. Chevrolet took Gus's hand and held her other hand out to Magnus. Magnus arched his eyebrows questioningly, but he put down his fork, took up Chevrolet's hand in his left, and Gus's mighty paw in his right. Chevrolet then began to sing in her windy, sweet, other-language voice. It was short, sweet, and Magnus could feel the warmth of the song move from Chevrolet's hand to his and to Gus's. It was a chain of thanks and food and cozy goodness, and it warmed him up right down to his toes. Chevrolet finished. Gus opened his eyes and said, Manja, manja, don't you dare let Gus's best pasta get cold. They ate and they ate and they talked and they laughed. At Magnus could not remember ever having a better meal. And that is the end of this chapter of The Adventures of Chevrolet Glitterwing and Magnus. And um, we'll be bringing you a lot more of that next week. And next week when we bring you that story, it'll be the day after our Benedettiville live show at the Mystic Theater, and I know we're going to talk a lot about that. We'll talk to you about the Benedettiville Book Club once we finish James and the Giant Peach. We're almost there. And as soon as we can get Cowardly Clyde from the library. You guys know that Cowardly Clyde's really popular? It's really hard to get that book from the library. Anyway, we'll get in there one of these days. You guessed it. There's the music. It's the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning into Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on KPCA 103.3 FM, streaming live on the net at kpca.fm. And it turns into a podcast magically on Wednesdays. And it goes up. Uh, we have a uh, SoundCloud page. And you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you find podcasts. Benedettiville is the podcast. Big thanks, as always, to Rob, Jared, and John down here at PCA for making things happen. 
a great big thanks to the Ash Legion, to the time-traveling kiddos that are working to stop frumpiness from spreading through the universe, and to Toilet Paper Emergency Person. If you would like to tell us anything at all, send us stories, drawings of dragons, what have you, please do. Mail at Benedettiville.com is the mailing is the email address. And we have a P.O. Box, P.O. Box 336 at the Mail Depot. You can just drop it off if you're in Petaluma or mail at P.O. Box 33640 on 4th Street in Petaluma, 94952. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to meeting some of you on Saturday. Looking forward to finishing up some more Chevrolet Glitter Wing, finding out what's going on there. And uh, we'll see you next week. Have a lovely time.